0: Does he just have a dream about Christopher Walken coming to his home and like telling him about sticking a watch up his butt? Is that like his nightmare, his recurring nightmare is just reliving that experience? <laughs>
1: What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale, I am your host Ankit Madira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films, so to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. However, I am not on that quest alone. This week, I am joined by Michael Turner who is a comic book writer and he writes comics called The Junior Braves of the Apocalypse and also Orcs in Space. Michael, how's it going?
0: It's good, but I do have to correct you. It's Michael Tanner.
1: I got it wrong. Oh, no. You got it Hold wrong. On. But it, it's Michael it's, Tanner.
0: It's funny because <laughs> Michael Turner is a famous comic book creator who I believe <laughs> passed away a few years ago who I once almost got a gig because someone thought I was him. So it's funny that <laughs> you would you would say that. <laughs> cuz yeah it's 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 pretty funny like i'm still kind of heartbroken when i found out it's like oh you offered me this gig cuz you thought i was michael turner oh that makes yeah. more sense that makes more sense but yeah so
1: we're off to a great start already i, I think it's a great start that's a, that's a good way to start a show but, but also at the same time like sorry for messing up your name
0: and dang i wish you got that job yeah me too i was a, I would have paid a lot paid a lot of money for not a lot of work but it happens sometimes
1: that's the arts yeah
0: i should have known because he was like I, I read an interview that you did and i was really impressed with what you had to say about storytelling it was like huh okay yeah because i've done a couple interviews so like wow he didn't the guy did not remember where he saw he just referenced this interview i'm like yeah all right that kind of tracks and then like we made it to the contract phase and i had sent in a signed contract and then i never heard from them again i was like oh no oh and then i looked more at what the what this guy did (laughs) i was like oh he totally thought i was michael turner he totally did wow
1: yeah. But anyway, that's the heartbreaking yeah. one. Anyway, Pulp Fiction, that's what we're yep. here to do. Hey, guys. Pulp Fiction. <laughs> Woo! So when did you first watch Pulp Fiction? Like what's your, because I know you love the film. You were one yep. of the first people that reached out when I was looking for people like who loved this film. You were one of the first people that reached out, but like, tell me more about it. When did you first see it? Like, what's your background with this film?
0: Okay. So I was in high school when Pulp Fiction came out. And it was a movie that I want to say I had seen a trailer for it at our local art house movie theater. And then one of my friends saw it and was like, this movie's amazing. You have to go see it. And so I went, it was a, a date with my first high school girlfriend, Carrie chaperoned by my parents. <laughs> we saw this in the theater, which, you know, there's some scenes in this movie that are very uncomfortable to watch with your parents, also with your first high school girlfriend.
1: Yeah, was it a first date or was it like? No,
0: it was a pro- probably pretty. It's it's so hard because like high school feels like forever. But probably I think we had been dating maybe two weeks at that point, so it was like okay. maybe a third date. Sure. But yeah, like I, I still remember it. It's a fun it's a fun way to see like that movie for the first time, and it did like. <laughs> it's a really good movie and it blew my mind and it became like the thing to do was you went and saw Pulp Fiction like all of my friends would see it and then it became a competition between my friends not like a friendly competition just like how many times you would go see it in the theater and it was playing at that point it was still playing just the small art house theater so like I think eventually after it became like a huge hit, it went to larger theaters, but you had to see it. It was the Magic Lantern Theater in Spokane, Washington. My friend Rick, he, and who I just actually like hung out with for the first time in like 18 years yesterday. And I brought up that I was, was gonna be on this podcast talking about the movie. He's like, yeah, I saw it 12 times, 12 times in the theater. But he even admits that by like the 10th time, He spent most of the time like in the lobby chatting up the like concessions girl, and he would just go in for the parts of the movie that he he's like, oh, like oh, like oh, "Oh, that scene's coming up. I'll go back in and like I'll watch it because you know that's like twelve times in the theater in the span of a couple weeks. That's a
1: lot. That's Um, a lot, and honestly, that's impressive.
0: Yeah, but like it's 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 kind of wild. Like the influence that that movie had on I think. My entire high school, <laughs> like <it's laughs> it, it, it was like the coolest thing that we any of us had ever seen,
1: yeah. I mean, I've now finished the film for any of the listeners out there. I agree. It is fantastic. So why don't we just jump into it? Where we left off was the start of the story of the gold Watch. Now, that's mostly what we're going to be covering in this episode is the story of the gold watch. So, The announcers on the radio are saying that Coolidge, and at first I was like, is this Butch? Turns out it's Butch. His last name is Coolidge. Beautiful. So, he's out, and he was out there quick, and he could tell Wilson was dead. And I was very confused. I was like, did Butch just murder a man in a boxing ring? Apparently, it was the bloodiest fight that they had seen, and there was a frenzy in Butch's eyes. We see a woman drinking coffee and the announcers are saying that a tragedy like this could shake the world of boxing to its very foundation. And that's when I'm like, aha, he probably did kill. We don't know for sure, but we find out in about 30 seconds to a minute that he murdered a man in a boxing ring. Mm. I've never heard of this happening before. Have you? I think there are a few cases where like
0: a, a boxer ended up dying like in the course of the match. And, like, obviously, I I don't think you can ever really say it was intentional or not. But yeah. it is a sport where two guys are literally punching each other as hard as they can. Uh, so it, it it can happen. I, I do think we're really not supposed to kind of know, like, what intentions were just that what the outcome was like i think the announcers it's very much hyperbole like the one guy's like there was a fury in coolidge's eyes that i've never seen <laughs> it's like just overwrought like sports announcers so like you're definitely put in a place of like wait what's happening
1: yeah totally i don't think it's anything like you know crazy i don't I think there are situations that I may have heard of like where he didn't necessarily die like in the ring in that moment, but Mm. injuries cause the death, like injuries from the fight. I know that it doesn't happen really much anymore because there are much more safety precautions, but I know like maybe back in like the fifties or sixties, it happened more when boxing was less about safety, which yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And I do know one thing is that I've never seen the Rocky films, but I do know somebody gets killed in a boxing match. I have no idea who. I just know that somebody dies in a boxing match.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spoil it for you because I assume um, you're eventually. (laughs) I'll get to it eventually. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. There's a pretty pivotal part where someone dies in a boxing, boxing ring.
1: Okay cool we'll get to it eventually so i
0: i but i also like (laughs) no spoilers but i like the idea that you know that much and so every rocky movie you watch you're gonna be like wait is is he gonna die is he gonna die no huh so you're just gonna be waiting yeah it's like when someone gives you a movie spoiler but you don't know like they don't give you any context. They're just like, oh, yeah. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger shows up. So you're just like waiting the entire movie. Like, oh, is Oh, the guy's coming through. Is that going to be Arnold? Like, you just you it just raises the anticipation. But also is is just like kind of annoying sometimes, too. Well,
1: so that happened with this film, actually. So there was a scene that I had seen on social media where it was Samuel Jackson And he was saying, I'm an equal opportunity ass whooper. I didn't care that she was a woman or not. Like, you know, you're the one bringing sex into this. I thought that was from this movie. Turns out it isn't. So the entire time I'm like, I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for this. I get to the end and I'm like, it never showed up. No. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, now I have to go find what movie this is from. (laughs) So the lady turns off the radio and then she tosses her bag out of a second floor Or in America, it's the second floor. In anywhere else in the world, it's the first floor because you have a ground floor and then a first floor. Mm. But she jumps out the window. She lands in a dumpster and then gets in a car and drives away in a hurry past the arena where you see the title Battle of the Titans between Coolidge and Wilson. Yeah,
0: it's interesting that that's that his match is the headliner when it's pre- I, when i guess like with there being money involved it was going to be an important match but the way it's discussed earlier you think that butch is very much a has-been so it feels weird that he's like headlining this boxing event but yeah, yeah. i
1: didn't expect him to be the headliner yeah. of this match that he was fixing because like you said he's talked about like he's a has-been so i was just like okay like he might have a following, but he's not like the big big guy. And he never yeah. was the big big guy. He never made it to headlining mm-hmm. the events.
0: So I guess you could you could infer from that is that Floyd was an up and comer or was a big star. And this was supposed to be seen as a more like an exhibition match, but Butch was seen as such a potential threat that they had to fix the match. It's it's a interesting bit of like You don't need to know the answer, but it just makes you curious about some more of the backstory. But, like, ultimately, it doesn't matter. Like, all right, Butch killed the other boxer in the ring rather than take the fall like he was supposed to.
1: Exactly. And we find out why. I was curious on why he would try to double-cross Marcellus, but we do find out why soon. But first, we see Vincent and Paul, if I remember his name right, at the arena. And they walk in. They find Mia and Marcellus. Mia says that she's doing okay and that she never got to thank Vincent for dinner. That's still not a thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's probably the, well, it's definitely the first words they've spoken since the date. Yeah. And it's probably the last word she'll ever actually say to
1: him. Yep. That sounds about right.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's a bit, cause like the way she's just like, Oh, I, I, you know, I never thanked you for, for dinner. So it's like, yeah, it, but she has to also play it so completely down. It's also weird that she is there in, in that room. Like, I guess Marcellus was at the boxing match and then yeah. was down and he was so mad. He's like, Mia, come on. We got to go check this out.
1: <laughs> it was a weird situation. I was like, why are you here? But also I was like, okay, maybe we're just at the match. And then you just came to the back room. Fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Paul says that Butch booked it and the trainer doesn't know anything either. And Paul believes the trainer And I was like, sweet, I was right, Butch would win. That was one of my predictions at the very end of the last episode. I thought that Butch would win and, you know, this kind of would happen. I didn't really know what would transpire, but I knew that Butch would win and people would try to chase him down. Because it just felt like we needed more of Butch. And if he didn't win the match, then there would be no story. So, But Marcellus says that thinking isn't good enough. They need to know. Take the trainer to the kennel, stick the dogs on his ass. Find out for sure what he knows and what he doesn't know, Marcellus is ready to scour the earth to find Butch. And then we cut to butch, and he's in the car with the coffee woman I've got a question for
0: you, like oh, since yeah you, like with your with your first viewing. did you like clock that that? Vincent was alone, that Jules wasn't with him?
1: I did. Okay.
0: So I, I always wonder if, like, that, like, sticks out to people or if it's just like, oh, it's, it's not like they're attached at the hip or anything, like, since Vincent was there. So, yeah. So I was just curious to see if that, like, meant anything.
1: Yeah, at, I at caught time. that Jules wasn't there, but I also didn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. I was like, huh, Jules isn't here. Okay, fine. Moving on. Like, Jules has the night off. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, he has a date. Good for him. Like, whatever. Well, spending like in
0: time with his vegetarian girlfriend.
1: I don't know. I don't know. I mean, some, you, sometimes you need a date night. Like, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's important for the relationship. <laughs> so, maybe Marcellus gave him the night off. I, I don't fully know. I didn't, like, I collect that he wasn't there. I didn't pay much attention to it, though. We find out why much later. Mm-hmm. But... So, we cut to Butch, and he is in the car with the coffee woman, and he's taking off his gloves. And the coffee woman, whose name we will learn, but for right now, she's coffee woman. She (laughs) asks if he was the fighter from the radio, and if he was the guy in the fight. Butch at first denies it, but then he admits that, yeah, it's me. This is where we learn outright that Butch did kill Wilson. Butch didn't know this until he was just told. And, you know, Butch actually apologizes to Floyd from the back seat. He's like, I'm sorry, Floyd, like, you didn't deserve that. And yeah. I, I feel that, like, you know, it wasn't his intention. His intention was to win. His intention wasn't to kill him. Fair enough. You know, things happen in boxing, I guess. I don't know. I've never yeah. boxed. <laughs> so the coffee woman asks what it feels like to beat a man dead with bare hands. Butch asks, why? Are you a weirdo? And the coffee woman's like, no. And she just has a lot of interest in the subject. Butch is the first person that she has met who has killed someone. And I'm like, fair enough. I would be curious too. But I also don't know if I would be that calm if I was driving a cab with someone who just murdered somebody. Yeah. Even if it was unintentional.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's a she's an interesting character.
1: <laughs> she's, she's nice. She you know offers him some cigarettes and butch says you know for cigarettes i'll tell you all about it and we see on her driver identification that her name is esmeralda villa lobos and her id number for anyone who's curious is 25838 i don't know why that's useful but there you go you have the information (laughs) (laughs) so butch asks if she's mexican apparently she is spanish but or the name is spanish but she is colombian So, she asks Butch what Butch means, and Butch just responds with, I'm American, our names don't mean shit. (laughs) Butch has a definition in the dictionary.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's funny, yeah.
1: But, fair enough, like, you know, a lot of my American friends are like, yeah, my name doesn't mean anything, or it's from the Bible. Like, that, those are the two very quick answers that I get from a lot of my friends in America of, like, what does your name mean? It's funny, because
0: it's not like her name really, like anything in this context mm-hmm. So it's like okay so it's just like trivia uh, <laughs> but also it's interesting that she's apparently that character is in another movie oh and I guess the name is different but it's the same actress and plays her the same way and I guess Tarantino saw her in that movie and was like I want her to play the cab driver okay and so yeah so he just got her to, <laughs> to reprise the role basically
1: fair enough not another Tarantino film But just another film. No, no, just like,
0: I think her own film that she made.
1: Oh, sounds good. But, interesting. So Butch says that he can't tell her what it's like to kill a man. He didn't know that Floyd was dead until Esmeralda told him. But now that he knows, he doesn't feel bad about it at all. We then have Butch at a payphone. Says that once the word got out that the fix was in, the odds went through the roof. Also, fuck ray if he was a better boxer he'd be alive he should have never laced up his gloves and he'd be alive
0: it's a hard turn to which take is quite a different yeah <laughs> that's a very like I, I guess we can assume that he's kind of showing off for the bookie
2: It kind of feels
1: like it's the tough guy act yeah that we see butch put on from time to time but actually deep down like he is a caring person mm. which is nice
0: yeah and you kind of when you think about the plan okay so clearly kind of like you, took the money for the fix and then had the bookie kind of bet on him. Cause I was through the roof. So the bookie then has to collect the money. Um, chances are, and then I guess that the, the bookie or whoever is supposed to then meet them. He is like, they're, they're going to, to Knoxville. Yeah. I guess he's supposed to meet him there with the money. But the odds are that Marcellus would catch up with the bookie because he'd find out, hey, who's the guy who bet on Butch and, like, see if he knew anything. Like, it's it's kind of a bad plan. It's not um, a good
1: one because also yeah. they mention, like, eight other guys. Yeah. And I'm like, how – Marcellus is a big mob boss in L.A. You don't think that he's going to eventually find one of these eight guys and figure out where you're going? Like, Yeah. He's not the type of person that's just going to say, oh – you messed with me, and then you left town. I will i guess I'll just let you leave town. He is sending people to find you. <laughs> yep. So, I don't know. Not, a, not the brightest plan, but mm-hmm. we'll find out if it works. So, Butch hears that the money is rolling in from the bookies, and that, you know, the bookie will have it tomorrow night. He plans to leave with Fabiana in the morning, heading to Knoxville, as you said. And the next time that he sees Scotty, which is the name of this bookie, He will be on Tennessee time. Sure. I did make a bold prediction at this point. Because I was like, we're getting a bit through this story. Here we go. I think it's time for one of my predictions. You will like to know that I am consistently wrong on most of these. I, yeah, I don't have a very good track record, but here we go. Nonetheless. So my prediction is that Butch will be found by Jules and Vincent. And... He will never actually meet Scotty, but Jules and Vincent won't kill him right away. There will be a reason of why they don't kill him right away. I haven't figured out the reason yet, but I think that he will run into them, like, they'll catch him, and that's what's going to happen. We'll see how right I am. (laughs) (laughs) So, Butch and Esmeralda, they get to the River Glen Motel, and Butch hops out. Butch asks... If anyone asks Esmeralda who the fair was today, what's she going to say? Esmeralda says, I will say the truth. Three well-dressed, slightly toasted Mexicans. Seems like a good truth. Mm -hmm. Butch then goes into his room and Fabiana is inside sleeping. Butch says it was a hard day at at the office. He got into a fight. (laughs) I laughed. (laughs) Fabiana asks, to spoon and then says that she was looking at herself in the mirror and was hoping that she could have a potbelly pot bellies are sexy butch says that she has one perfect no notes <laughs> <laughs> and fabiana says no i have a bit of a tummy and there is a huge difference apparently pot bellies make a man look oafish or like a gorilla but on a woman they are very sexy and fabiana doesn't care what men find attractive and what is pleasing to the touch and pleasing to the eye are seldom the same. I just really liked that quote
0: yeah she's a she's a very like nice character she's so like, uh, her... pure yeah,
1: like just a just a fun girlfriend, like she's just the girlfriend. Like, that's it. yeah, yeah, I like her. I have nothing against her, so. Butch says that if Fabiana had a pot belly, he'd punch it. Fabiana retorts by climbing up on top of Butch and saying that she would smother him with it and then drop it on his face until he couldn't breathe. <laughs> Fabiana got everything prepared and then says that she never listens to his fights. You know, so she asks if he won or not. Butch says that he did win and does still plan on retiring, but everything isn't done yet. This is the first that I'm hearing that he plans on retiring. But I guess it makes sense if you're going to fix a fight and then not stick to the fix. And then you're going to make a run for it. Seems like a good. Yeah, you're you're You're
0: retiring. You're retiring.
1: Yeah, you're you're not trying to keep your name in the world anymore. (laughs) So. They start getting intimate and then Fabiana pulls away, confirming that they are in a lot of danger. Yes. If they find us, they will kill us. Yes. But they won't find us, will they? No. But Butch says he still wants Fabiana to go with him and be with him forever. I made the prediction here that Fabiana will die. Butch will live. That's
0: yeah. That's uh, usually how that how that plays out in a movie when when characters have that kind of conversation. Yep.
1: I was like, okay, Butch is gonna live somehow, some way. I still don't understand how he's getting out of this. And Fabiana's going to die because she gets caught in the crossfire. Like, not even because she was in the way or anything. Like, she's just going to be a casualty of, like, someone missing a shot. So, we start becoming intimate again. The scene fades out. So, it's later on in the night. And we see Butch in the shower. And he thinks he's cracked a rib from the fight. He starts doing a mong... mong mongoloid 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 voice which fabiana yells at because she don't like it yeah fabiana then asks butch where they will go butch isn't sure but maybe somewhere in the south pacific and i was like what do you mean you're not sure you're going to knoxville you have had this conversation you know your destination you need to meet with scotty you need to get the money i think mean, she means
0: eventually i like i don't think she wants to stay in knoxville for forever
1: i've been to knoxville i feel like Knoxville's getting a lot of bad rep knoxville ain't a bad place
0: <laughs> yeah but
1: it's also not where you want to retire if you had a
0: bunch of money would yeah would you stay there or would you go to the south pacific
1: i would go to the south it's pacific. funny like he
0: talks about like going to the south pacific uh bora bora or tahiti and then he says mexico yeah and no. i was like mexico's not, not in the south pacific but
1: uh i did enjoy that okay. he was like bora bora tahiti mexico fabiano doesn't speak spanish but bush says no no it's okay mexican is easy and then he goes donde esta el zapateria translates to where is the shoe store one problem it should be la not el <laughs> spanish isn't Easy, and I like how they say it's easy, and then they get it wrong. Perfect comedy. <laughs> that's yeah.
0: You know, I mean, you know, another knock against Knoxville, I guess, because that's where Butch grew up, and that's where he probably learned Spanish in high school.
1: You know what? And they got it wrong. Knoxville, fix your Spanish programs in, I guess, the late '80s, or no, way before yeah. then, like the '70s. Early '70s. Probably early '70s, based on roughly how old Butch is in this movie. You know, go back in time, make a time machine, go fix that. (laughs) 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 But anyway, it's time for bed. Butch says goodnight. Fabiana goes to ask him something. Butch is just passed out. So the next morning, Fabiana is watching TV and you have motorcycle sounds. Butch is asleep and he wakes up suddenly screaming from all the sounds. Fabiana asks him if he had a bad dream. But Butch doesn't answer, he just looks at the TV, and people are just shooting guns. And I'm like, well, of course, he's scared. He's scared that's what's gonna happen to him. He just pissed off some very powerful people in LA who have very big guns. Butch asks what she is watching, and Fabiana says it's a motorcycle movie, not sure of the name. Butch asks if she's actually watching, and Fabiana is just like, in a way! And I'm like, I feel that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's not
0: not watching it.
1: I've never felt this attacked while watching a movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know the name. I barely know what it's about. And I guess i
1: in a way watching it. See, like the only other time that I ever felt this attacked was when I was watching Inside by Boat Burnham and he has the song and he's like, are you actually paying attention? I don't want to know. Like, are you on your phone? I, I just don't want to know. Like, beautiful But I'm also like, Bo, you didn't have to call me out. And yes, I am paying attention. But also, why'd you have to call me out? (laughs) (laughs) So, Butch says it's way too early for explosives and war. Fabiana asks what it is about. And Butch responds, how am I supposed to know you're the one watching it? Perfect. Fabiana met the dream. And Butch says that he doesn't remember. And he rarely remembers his dreams. Do you ever remember your dreams?
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, yeah. I uh, I have a pretty good dream recall. I also uh, do lucid dreaming, so I'm, like, aware that I'm in a dream when I'm dreaming. Okay. So there's lots of times where I'm like, this dream is boring. <laughs> I'm waking myself up, so I'll just wake myself up and then go back to sleep and hope a different dream begins.
1: Fair enough. I think I do that, too, without realizing it, because there are multiple times where I'm like... I wake up and I'm like, I know exactly where I am in the dream. I go back to sleep, like maybe 30 seconds later going, we're just going to continue this dream. And then I'm like, oh, no, this is new. (laughs) 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 So who knows? I think I'm a solid like 50-50. Sometimes I remember them. Sometimes I don't. And usually I can remember them for about, when I do remember them, I remember them for about like an hour or two after I have the dream. And Mm -hmm. then it just goes away if I don't. Yeah, then
0: it kind of fades. Then it
1: fades unless like I write it down because sometimes I have ideas in my dreams and I'm like, I need ideas. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it'll be like uh a whole like I can hold it in
0: my head when I first wake up, but then like as time goes by, like the the cracks in the dream logic start to form, so I start losing it cuz I'm just like, wait, that doesn't make sense and so it's like it's hard to really like it because it's just a bunch of nonsense eventually I was so like yeah that's a, i don't know that was i don't i don't i just had a weird dream that's all i remember because like none of it really made sense
1: yeah i don't know dreams are weird but they're a good time yeah. and we can't live without them
0: yeah we go crazy without them
1: yeah
2: <laughs>
0: i get i think there it can be implied that butch was dreaming about the gold watch speech.
1: That's what I thought he was dreaming about, and
0: because the last time we saw him shoot up from a from a, a bad dream, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So is he just is he just, does he just have a dream about Christopher Walken coming to his home and like telling him about sticking a watch up his butt? Is that like his nightmare? His recurring nightmare is just reliving that that experience. I'm just saying.
1: There are worse dreams you could have. That's true. And if Christopher Walken is in your dream and it was real, take it. (laughs) Accept that gift. (laughs) So
0: Walken is a gift.
1: He he is a gift. He is a gift. That's what I noticed, and we mentioned it in a previous episode. It is a star-studded cast.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting how that kind of came to be because it was... Everyone loved Reservoir Dogs so much that he could really ask almost anyone to be in his next movie. And so a lot of people just w- would jump at the chance. Like, and that's how he kind of built his, his cast. Like, uh, originally Butch was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone. Oh! They really wanted to get Stallone for the part. But Tarantino... Just decided like uh, I think uh, I think Bruce Willis would be great, and people were like Bruce Willis like as at that point he was he was diehard famous like so he was famous but he wasn't like a superstar and they're like no you should get like if you can get Stallone like you should get Stallone and Tarantino's like no I don't want Stallone it was like and he had to fight to get John Travolta in the movie the the studio did not want like actively was working. Was saying no, you can't hire John Travolta. He's a has been. Nobody wants to see John Travolta in a movie. Like don't. But he's like, nope. He, if 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 I can't have John Travolta, I don't want to do it. Because well, originally it was supposed to be Michael Madsen uh, from Reservoir Dogs, but Madsen chose to do White herp instead. And so like Tarantino was like, okay, it was supposed to be Ma- Michael Madsen. Then I want Quentin Tarantino. So he had to like fight for a lot of a, a lot of his choices. But then also a lot of people were just like yeah, I want to be in this guy's next movie. So, yeah, so that's how I was able to get like a really like fantastic cast. Also, because Danny DeVito was one of the producers, so I feel like that opened a lot of doors.
1: Definitely. Look, if Tarantino ever was like, I want him, I would never say no. I'd just be like, hello, I will do literally what you want. Like, tell me yeah. whatever. I am your puppet. <laughs> Direct me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fabiano works on getting Butch up. I feel like he should be a bit more worried. He knows Marcellus is looking for him, but... Right? Like, the urgency is <laughs> There's not no urgency there. in this man. He's just like, ah, it's okay. We learn it's nine, and apparently they have a train that's leaving at 11 a.m. So I'm like, okay, at least they have a plan. But I'm like, Butch, a little bit of urgency would be nice. So, Fabiana says that for breakfast, she is going to order a large plate of blueberry pancakes with syrup, eggs over easy, and five sausages, a tall glass of orange juice, and a black coffee, and a slice of pie. Butch asks, pie for breakfast, and Fabiana says that any time is good for pie, and she wants blueberry pie to go with the blueberry pancakes with a slice of cheese on top. It's very much giving me the it's five o'clock somewhere vibes. (laughs)
2: i
0: was like she said she wanted a pot
1: belly she is working on it she She she's gonna
0: make that happen
1: she has a goal she knows how to get it like i appreciate Mm. that about her she's goal-minded she's like i i have a goal this is how i achieve it there we go now again kind of based on that prediction from earlier she ain't getting those blueberry pancakes all hell will break (laughs) loose before the train arrives at 11 i think that all hell will break loose at the train station itself and that's where fabiana will be killed
0: those are all fair predictions
1: thank you for not saying anything (laughs) so butch is getting ready as all of this conversation is happening and he asks where his watch is he looks very worried and he can't find it and at first i was like what's special about the watch and i was like oh wait he meant the gold watch you know the title of this story Mm mm-hmm Fabiana says that she got it, it was on the little kangaroo, and I was very confused, I was like, what kangaroo, like, what is this kangaroo you speak of? I thought I missed something, and then I was like, okay, this is changing my prediction a bit, my prediction changed a lot, but I was like, okay, very simple, Butch is gonna go back for the gold watch with Fabiana because she forgot it, and instead of all hell breaking loose at the train station, all hell is gonna break loose at their apartment. That's the only difference in my prediction she still ain't getting blueberry pancakes <laughs> butch is obviously very upset on where the watches and fabiana believes that she got it and butch says you either did or you didn't and it gave me yoda vibes of do or do not there is no try <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of little similarities that i'm noticing in, in this one so <laughs> fabiana says that she did get it But when Butch asks her if she is sure, she isn't. Butch starts going wild and calls her fucking stupid. He throws the TV, but then he calms down. He says, you know what? It isn't your fault if you left it at the apartment. He had her bring a lot of different things and he reminded her, but he didn't illustrate how important the watch was to him. And if that's all that he really cared about, he should have told her that she isn't a mind reader. And I appreciate this. I think it's what we were talking about earlier where Butch has this like hard guy persona, but deep down he is just a caring person of like, oh, like. Yeah, I think he
0: understands like that his reaction, his initial reaction of going like crazy was not necessarily the appropriate reaction to have. Yeah. I, I do like the part where he's like, listen, my father's watch, you know. He went through a lot to give that watch to me. I don't have time to get into it right now, but it was a lot. Which is which is a very it's it's a it's one of the few like not jokes, but it's a that's it's a particular kind of dialogue that is very like normal but seems very out of place because it's someone in the universe being kind of blithe but not cool. It's, it's 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 a very funny bit. But it seems almost out of character for Tarantino to have in the script because it's not stylish or cool. It's just a very kind of traditional, like, dialogue joke.
1: Oh, Um, fair enough. So that
0: part always kind of sticks out to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, I guess with Tarantino's films, I see the stylistic coolness of, you know, the script. But also at the same time, for me, what I like about it is, like, these characters just speak this way. And they speak and have the same stupid conversations that anyone on a random Tuesday afternoon might be having. Yeah. So I do appreciate that of like, all of this is completely possible to actually happen. Like, you know, and I think that really works with it's just being set in L.A. That's it. There's Mm -hmm. no difference. It's just L.A. in 1994. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, there's no absurdist setting. Like, we're not in space. We're not on a different planet it's just hi we're in la so i really appreciate that it's just like yeah like these people might actually exist and these are conversations that they might actually have or other people might have who knows Mm -hmm. so yeah and that's really like why i think
0: this movie kind of resonated so much when it did is you did not have this kind of dialogue in movies mm. you just didn't except with the exception of like Maybe some kind of grindhouse movies from the 70s where it was more about padding for time to have long stretches of like just conversations, but that was always just because like this movie's got to be 83 minutes or it's not playing the drive in, so just like we <laughs> you just got to stretch it out. So it was like there were there was not movie dialogue like this, okay? Like in like an entire movie based around it, and a lot you'll see like Quinn Tarantino got a lot of screenwriting work early where he would just punch up scripts by adding these kind of scenes to movies. Like he did, I think he did. Oh no, it's a Joss Whedon did a pass on the Crimson Tide submarine movie where there's just two characters who talk about the silver surfer comic book and it's completely out of place. It's just character. It's just meant to like give you something interesting to hear characters talk about that isn't plot related. And that's entirely because Quentin Tarantino established that people were hungry for this kind of interesting, like it's like, it's, it's realistic, but in being realistic in a movie sense, it's hyper realized. Yeah. Like characters in movies don't have conversations like this. You don't have characters who are like just talking about stuff that doesn't necessarily in like further the plot. So it was the, I think it was the bane of screenwriting teachers because like, all all, all writing teachers try to teach you, like, like, every piece of dialogue has to move the plot forward. And Tarantino proved that that wasn't necessary. But the problem is, is not everyone's Quentin Tarantino. Not everyone can write that in an interesting way. So, a Right. Lot of, so a lot of, like, people aping that style came along. And it just wasn't as good because it wasn't, it like, it just wasn't the same, you know, voice.
1: Yeah, I think what Tarantino does very, very well is that he... While you have this mundane conversation happening, he finds moments where he can drop in little pieces of information that'll further the plot along. Mm -hmm. But it's not the focal point of the whole conversation. Yeah. I don't like, I think this is described very, very well in the foot massage conversation Mm -hmm. that's happening earlier in the movie. And it's like, you know, you have moments where they talk about, like, who's Mia or how many guys are up there we need to be getting paid more for that like you have moments of that but it's not the actual focal point of the scene the actual conversation that they're having is just foot massages what do you think <laughs> like and i i think yeah. what's like, your hot take on foot massages yeah would you give one to a man what's going on but we're not on. Which now <laughs>
0: knowing what we know about Quentin Tarantino, that conversation goes on a very long time and it just reads entirely different now than it did when it first came out. Like you're just like, oh, this is a funny conversation about foot massage. And you're like, oh, this is like a thing for him. He's really like, this is a this is a, a thing for him and he's working he's working some stuff out in this conversation in this movie.
1: Yeah, and that's what we were talking about earlier, but I was like At this point, because he's never outwardly come and said that he has a thing or not, right?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: And so I'm like, at this point, even if he doesn't, he just has to include it. Yeah. Because he knows that if he does, it'll get talked about. So he may just (laughs) be trolling people. And if he is, props to him. Like, well done. He wrote one scene and is just like, I just have to include feet in some way, shape or form in any film after this. And people talk about it. Let's go. It helps that he makes good movies, but like also. (laughs) (laughs) So back to Pulp Fiction. So Fabiana feels very sorry. She feels terrible. And Butch says, it's okay, but I can't get breakfast with you because I have to go back to the apartment and get the watch. Fabiana asks, won't the gangsters be there looking for him, and Butch says, we'll find out if they're waiting there and I can't handle it, I'll split. Butch gives Fabiana money for breakfast and says he'll be back before she can say blueberry pie. Fabiana then says, blueberry pie, and Butch just goes, okay, maybe not that fast, but pretty fast. Perfect. So... I guess Fabiana is getting blueberry pancakes. I was kind of disappointed. I really wanted one of my predictions to come true, but uh, I guess we'll find out. She's off to go get pancakes, Butch is off to go get a watch. So Yeah, I
0: guess she's going to walk to the diner or where, wherever because yeah. he's taking her
1: car. Well, I mean, I would just assume they're in a motel hotel. There's probably a diner somewhat nearby. Uh, probably nearby, yeah. Yeah, like there's probably one within like a 15-minute walk of wherever they are, so... shouldn't be too bad but so they're in the car and butch is livid that she forgot the watch i appreciate that he's nice to her face and just loses his mind and gets angry in the car yeah fair play he he's like i specifically reminded her bedside table on the kangaroo i'm still very confused what is the kangaroo i don't get it so Butch pulls up to the apartment and he heads towards the door through a fence and a couple of backyards and I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, he didn't park on his street. He parked on a different street. Smart." Butch gets to the apartment. He gingerly puts the key in the lock, trying not to make a sound. And I'm like, "If they're inside, they're going to hear you when you open the door either way." Yeah. Like this isn't making a difference. What are you doing? Just open the door. <laughs> he gets inside the apartment. He grabs the watch. And then I was like, "Oh, it's on a weird kangaroo doll that doesn't look like a kangaroo oh. at <laughs> all. Yeah, it's a, it's a
0: very stylized ceramic kangaroo.
1: That is not a kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> Viewers, I'll, when this episode airs, I'll post a picture of it. That is not a kangaroo. <laughs> you can check social media, but like that is not a kangaroo, and I will fight that. It is not a kangaroo. <laughs> I don't understand how that is a kangaroo. All it has is a face and a tail. but he gets the watch puts it on his wrist and instead of leaving right away he pops into the kitchen to get some toaster pastries because you know he needs food he's not getting those blueberry pancakes like Fabienne. he has to he has to get uh get some off-brand pop tarts. off-brand pop tarts. but i do appreciate that he chose the frosted cinnamon flavor and we can respect that so he pops them into the toaster and then something catches his eye He sees a very large gun that doesn't belong to him. This would raise questions. Just then, Vincent walks out of the bathroom, and then Butch aims the gun at him. And just when the pastries pop up out of the toaster, Butch fires multiple shots at Vincent. And I literally wrote in my notes in all caps, No, Vincent, I liked him. I didn't want him to die. (laughs)
0: yeah the amount of like <laughs> hand waving as as teenagers who did like oh maybe vincent lived
1: like no vincent's dead he, vincent's though, very he's dead. very
0: clearly dead he's he's dead on a toilet his eyes are open he's uh he's dead but man we didn't want him to be dead either yeah
1: in school. i didn't want vincent to die i liked vincent he was funny but vincent's very dead I also appreciate that after the gun was shot, the smoke alarm went off. It was just a nice little touch. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: so, I. Butch realizes what he did, checks to see if Vincent's dead. As we said, very dead, on a toilet. He smartly, then before he leaves, he grabs a tissue and wipes off all of his fingerprints. And he leaves the apartment and gets back to the car and drives away. He then drives back to the front of the apartment, which I thought was a dumb. That choice is like, that is a rookie mistake Rookie Come on, mistake butch. you don't do that like i haven't murdered someone in an apartment but even i know this from watching films and i haven't watched films hence the podcast <laughs> 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 so he pulls up and he says that's how you're gonna beat them butch they keep underestimating you <laughs> and immediately i was like something bad is happening on the drive back so butch mm-hmm. is stopped at a light And who walks across the street and notices Butch in the car? None other than Marcellus himself. Butch realizes this, he hits the acceleration, and he runs over Marcellus. Now, a very important question. Is it still called being run over if you go over the car like Marcellus does?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess, well, run down? I guess he was run down by the car. Because, you know... went up but then he did go down he
1: did go down there we go we'll say he was run down by the car because i just feel like the car never went over him so you can't be running over him that just doesn't make sense but then butch gets hit by a car himself scene fades and i think this is the perfect time to take a quick intermission and we will be right back
2: Hello everyone and welcome to the intermission. I hope you are enjoying this episode of PostFinale. If you would like to support the show and gain access to loads of bonus content, you can do so by going over to patreon.com slash postfinale, signing up for any tier. You can help me choose and suggest any movies that you might want me to watch in the future. And you get access to loads of different types of bonus content depending on what tier you sign up for. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash postfinale. Now, if you'd like to help out the show in a non-monetary way, you can do so by following us on social media follow us at postfinale pod on all the major social media platforms be sure to leave a review on apple podcast spotify whatever podcast app you are using to listen to the show and thank you to anyone who has done this already and thank you to anyone who will do this in the future it really means a lot to me that you're tuning into the show and thank you so much And also, for any listeners that are listening in the London area, if you are listening to this on the day or a couple days after this episode has come out, on June 11th, I will be doing a queer cabaret and taking part in a queer cabaret that is happening in Clapham at the Bread and Roses Theatre on June 11th. It's going to be a very fun night of music, dance, Drag A lot of different acts, a lot of different things happening, and all the money that is raised is going to be going to the charity Mermaids, and they do some amazing work with LGBTQ plus youth, so be sure to check them out, and if you're able to come check us out on June 11th, I'll leave a link in the episode description for you to be able to pick up tickets to the show. But yeah, if you are listening to this when it comes out, come check us out if you have some free time. It's going to be a very fun night and all of it's for a good cause. Again, that's on June 11th at the Bread and Roses Theatre in Clapham near London. And I hope to see some of you all there. And now let's get back to the episode.
1: So we are back. Butch has just run down marcellus with a car and he then just got hit we have people hovering over marcellus and they're all thinking that he's dead and they try to help him up a lady with red hair and a corduroy jacket i just felt like that was important says that she will go to court with marcellus if needed the guy was a drunken maniac he hit marcellus and then crashed into another car i'm pretty sure the other car crashed into him but sure same gist unreliable eyewitnesses unreliable like He didn't hit the other car. The other car hit him. Sure, did he go when he wasn't allowed to? Maybe. But, like, you gotta get it right on who hit who, technically. (laughs) So, Marcellus asks who this lady means, and the lady points over at Butch. Marcellus then pulls out a gun, and everyone around him just scatters. Butch, I love
0: (laughs) (laughs) the way they scatter. It is the funniest thing in the world. Because the redhead uh, comedian Judy Griffith, she... Does this like hard 180 turn and walk and like speed walks away (laughs) and always has cracked me up.
1: Oh, I'll have to go back because I I caught that they scattered, but I didn't catch the specifics of how they
0: scattered. yeah she just it's like nope and she just she just
1: walks away <laughs> that's amazing so butch is also being tended by some ladies and he notices marcellus with the gun and marcellus shoots trying to hit butch and instead he hits one of the ladies that's helping butch whoops yeah and like shoots her
0: in the hip and she's yeah. just like down the ground yelling <laughs> i've been shot <laughs> which it's horrifying because like if you look at it in a real world sense but it's pretty funny it's
1: very funny
0: (laughs) (laughs) she's wearing the biggest 90s bright white shorts you can imagine and it's
1: just been shot Peak 90s so yeah butch starts to run away but he's banged up obviously especially his left knee marcellus is giving chase also banged up and then you hear another gunshot and then you just hear people yelling sally Sally and I'm like poor Sally which one was Sally the one that just got shot off screen or the one that just got shot in the hip like which one is Sally I just need an answer we never find out but poor Sally I guess Sally got shot so bad day for Sally's in LA uh, bad day you know so Butch runs into a music store or an electronic store I don't really know there are guitars and a banjo Pawn pawn shop there we go that might be what it is, because I saw guitars and a banjo on the wall, and I was like, music store. And then I hit pause to take a note, and I was like, and I also see a bunch of VHS players and stereo systems. Like, I, oh, what are you, people? <laughs> Pawn shop makes sense. So Butch grabs the guy's beer and empties it and runs to the door. I was like, what are you going to do with this against a man with a gun? Turns out fairly well. So the guy behind the counter is... In the most nonchalant, I don't care tone, is just like, no, just wait a minute. What the fuck are you up to? (laughs) Just doesn't care. He's just like, hold on, hold on. What's going on? Marcellus comes in and Butch tackles him to the ground and starts punching him. And as he's punching him, he says, feel that sting. That's pride fucking with you. Great callback. Amazing callback. Marcellus says that he better kill him, Butch says he plans on it. He puts his leg on Marcellus's collarbone, grabs Marcellus' gun, and just as he is about to shoot, we hear a shotgun cock. Apparently, the stone owner has a shotgun pointed at them both. Butch says that it ain't any of your business, leave us alone. The store owner says that he is making it his business, and tells Butch to toss the weapon. Butch says, you don't understand, and the stone- and the store owner is just like, I don't care toss the weapon. He then tells Butch to take his foot off of Marcellus, put his hands behind his head, and approach the counter slowly. Butch says that this motherfucker is trying to kill me as he approaches the counter and kicks Marcellus as he is approaching the counter. I appreciate that he's like Okay, I might be in this situation, but I can inflict a little bit more damage. So (laughs) then the store owner hits Butch with the butt of his gun and knocks him out. He then grabs the phone and calls someone named Zed and we learn that the store owner, his name is Maynard. And he just says, yeah, the spider caught a couple of flies. Again, great quote. Yeah. Beautiful quote. It was a very interesting scene. Because that's the end of this little scene. And then we jump to our next scene. But yeah, it was just a very fun action scene that we kind of needed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a good, good tense chase action set things up and then we go into um a scene that i know i didn't expect
1: the first time i saw it so yeah i was very surprised we open with butch and marcellus both tied up to chairs this makes sense they both have ball gags in their mouth yep i'm very confused (laughs) immediately (laughs) I'm very uncomfortable. I don't like this. No, no, no. What is about to happen? Maynard wakes them both up by pouring water on them. Neither is happy about that situation. <laughs> I am.
0: I'm curious. I don't know if it's water. I what think it, it be? might be gasoline. Oh, I think it's gas. That was what I always thought. If you'd ask me, like, oh, what is what is the what do they spray on them to wake him up? I was like, I think it's gasoline because he's using a old timey kind of sprayer that you would use like that old-timey sprayer you would use for like weed killer like it's an outdoor like kind of lawn thing that makes sense some people would sometimes put like gasoline in it because you'd use it to fill up like like before they got the like plastic like red cans for gas Mm -hmm. and you didn't necessarily have like a metal jerry can you could use that to to like fill something with just a little bit of gas so i think it might be gas but it makes it even weirder that they would do that in a Basement, and then when other things happen, so it might be water. But my impression always was that it was like gasoline or something that would like hurt and cause them to wake up, like the fumes would wake them up. Sure, but water makes more sense just you know for what because what we see, but yeah,
1: like, I don't know. So I like, different perspective. yeah, I, I like the gonna... idea that it could potentially be gasoline. I don't, I don't know, it was a liquid of some sort, but I like your reasoning, yeah. like you know, it makes sense of why it could be gasoline. It makes sense of why it could be water. We don't know. It probably was water in terms of the prop, but what it was meant to be, it could be whatever. And that's up for imagination. And yeah, that's really cool. I, yeah, fair enough. So Maynard explains that nobody kills anyone in his place of business except for himself or Zed. And I was like, how many people do you kill in your place of business? Like, why is this a common thing? What is happening in this place of business? Yeah. (laughs) So, what kind of pawn shop is this? Yeah, exactly. Like, having a shotgun behind the counter, it's LA in 1994. Fine. Like, whatever. Like, you know. It's already an issue right now in the States. We don't have time to get into that. (laughs) But, like, 1994, a shop owner in LA having a shotgun behind the counter. Cool. Like, I I can get with that, but how much killing is happening? What are you doing? Do you just kill everyone that walks in? Because that doesn't seem like a very good business plan. That's a bad business That's plan. A yeah, pretty bad business plan. So we then hear the doorbell ring, and I'm like, "That's gonna be Zed." Woot woot! Maynard confirms it's Zed. So right. Maynard leaves. He goes and gets Zed, and he leaves Marcellus and Butch alone. I thought that was going to be significant. It wasn't significant at all. (laughs) So Zed walks in saying, I thought you were going to wait for me. Maynard's like, I did, but they did this to each other. (laughs) They look terrible, by the way. Yeah. Marcellus looks around like, what is going on? And Maynard explains that Butch was about to shoot Marcellus. Zed asks if this is true. Now, I did note that Zed... Has on a blue shirt with patches on both sleeves and a badge in the shape of a star. What is he? Some sort of weird deputy? Yeah, we always
0: thought he was a cop, but I think you get a good view of one of his badges. And it's just like he's a security guard. He's not a cop. Okay. Like, um, But yeah, like we always – and that was something I didn't really notice like until – after watching it multiple times, it's, there's, like, one shot that you really see. I am mean, like, it's, like, it says security, I think, on the bottom part. And you're, like, oh, he's not a cop. He's just a security guard. Okay.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, like, sense. Also, L.A. in
0: 1994, totally could have been a cop.
1: Totally could have been a cop. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know what cops were in 1994 L.A. But... Security makes more sense in terms of at least the star badge that he had because it looked very yeah. cheap and very fake. <laughs> <laughs> so Zed asks if Grace will be okay out front. Maynard says, Yup. And then Maynard confirms, Wait, is it Tuesday? Zed says that it's Thursday. And then Maynard confirms she'll be okay.
2: What happens on Tuesdays?
0: Street sweeping. As a former resident of LA, it's street sweeping.
2: (laughs) Okay. Fair enough.
0: Was that like when they just would go and... Can't park. Can't park on that street. Yeah, they just have the big street sweeper come down. And if, you know, you'll get a ticket. Or uh, if it was a very, like... Mindy, dirty, rainy, or whatever day, your car would just be covered in filth because, like the the street sweeper has to drive around you, so it's just and so it's just blowing the trash like on your car as it drives by.
3: Oh,
1: <laughs> that does not sound fun. It's uh, not not great. Another reason why I haven't been to L. A. since I was four. <laughs> <laughs> Not, not the only reason, that's just the last time I went and I've never had a need to go back. <laughs> so
0: a, a very small detail yes. about this scene that I have a personal connection to. So if, when you watch the scene, you may notice a, like, a hanging lamp um, that gives off kind of an orange light yeah. uh, in that basement. I have that lamp.
1: Wait, you have that, that lamp? lamp?
0: That, and it's one of those things where that lamp... My parents bought it in the '70s, you know, and it—it it was very funny because there's a lot of like really you see that lamp very clearly in a lot of the shots. And I mentioned like I first saw this movie with my parents, like we both go like, oh, that's our lamp. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, and so like I have that lamp in my possession now. I don't have it hanging up, but I have it. Um, and so that scene is always very funny. I'm like, oh, you know, um, you know the. That scene in Pulp Fiction in the basement of the pawn shop, I have that lamp. It's not the, the actual one, but it's the same model. It's the exact uh, same the lamp. Same it's the exact same lamp, I, and it's hilarious to me. That, that is that,
1: amazing. I love that.
0: Uh, to describe <laughs> it, I could just do a screenshot from, the, from that scene. <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Just like, hey, what's that lamp look like? This.
0: <laughs> like that, yeah. You know?
1: There we go. Nice. It's a very fun, odd little way. The thing Yeah, <laughs> <to laughs> it's
2: a little bit of
0: personal trivia. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I have a lamp that's exactly like the one from
1: um scene in Pulp Fiction. There we go. There we go. So Zed then grabs a chair, sits down in it backwards to show off that he is truly the bad boy. And yep. Zed tells Maynard to go get the gimp. And Maynard says he thinks that he Bring is asleep. Gimp. And gimp sleep. Zed tells him to wake him up. And I'm like, why does Maynard look so scared when he says, wake him up? What is this gimp? And so the line,
0: bring out the gimp, became probably the most quoted line from this movie.
1: I have heard that line multiple times. After seeing what the gimp was, I understood. But I was also still very confused. Because a gimp is not something that comes up in my day-to-day life. Yep. (laughs) So, Maynard leaves to go get the gimp. Everyone's just looking at each other. I did appreciate the detail of, like, the drool falling from Marcellus' mouth and from Butch's mouth. Just a beautiful, small, little detail in there. And I was just like, "That's, that's nice. So, in the background, we see Maynard. He's opening up a box. Inside the box, there is a cage. And out comes the gimp. Now, I will describe the gimp. He is a character. The Gimp is a person covered head to toe in black leather. They have eye holes, a tiny hole for the nose so that he can breathe, and a zip over his mouth. There are bedazzled jewels on the shoulders and on the sleeves and the legs. And the Gimp is also led by a leash which is around his neck. Not what I was- There's an
0: action figure of the Gimp.
1: Why?
2: Several years ago,
0: Funko made a line of retro action figures for a bunch of movies that didn't have action figure lines. They made Pulp Fiction. And of course, one of the figures they made was of the Gimp. So, if you're a big fan of the Gimp's outfit and you want to own it in tiny plastic form of four inches tall, you can find the Pulp Fiction Funko reaction Gimp action figure at your local hobby store. Probably have to go on eBay now. It came out about 10 years ago, but it's a fun fact. On your own little gimp. Again, why? <laughs> I have no words. So, uh, clearly, so you could reenact your favorite scenes. You can get Butch, you can get Marcellus, and you can get the Gimp. Unfortunately, they did. I don't think they made Maynard and Zed, so you can't truly reenact that's, the entire scene.
1: That's not but. well. I'm sure that Funko Pop has other characters that are like Maynard and Zed that you can probably just introduce into it and just like, you know, suspend your disbelief for a moment and be like, this is Maynard and Zed. They look roughly the same. Yeah. They're
0: like, works as
1: Maynard and works as Zed. Exactly, exactly. You sometimes can't have the original, but you can have the close enough. So, the Gimp sits down next to Zed, and Zed kind of starts petting his head in a weird, like, creepy way, and I Just all sorts of uncomfortable. Uh, This scene is taking so many left turns from what I predicted. Yeah. Like I said, most of my prediction's out the window at this point. So. And Maynard asked, said, who are they gonna do first? I'm not completely sure what that means, but it doesn't sound good. And it will go either one of two ways. Either it will be very messed up and disturbing. Or, and the one that I want it to be, is that it's going to be so absurd that it's funny. (laughs) We're about to find out. Zed says, I don't know, and starts doing eeny-meeny to pick who they start with. He continues through. He finishes, and then gets to the end of what I thought eeny-meeny-miny-mo was, of like, and then eeny-meeny-miny-mo. And then he continues and goes, my mother said pick the perfect one and you are it. (laughs) He plays his own style and he selects marcellus
0: he does select marcellus like this can't be good either way
1: i i don't really have any hard feelings towards marcellus i don't mind him
0: right like okay we don't know why he threw tony rocky horror out of the uh window he had a reason he had some reason it's only known between him and and uh tony but, you know, like, he has every right to be mad at Butch. So, we can't, you know, we can't really fault him. But, yeah, so you're like, his fate, which we don't know yet, you're like, well, this is a, this isn't going to be good for either of them.
1: Yeah, like, it's a bad situation, but I'm also like, I don't have strong feelings to Marcellus in either, like, anything. Honestly, I think that Marcel one of my predictions earlier was that Marcellus is going to die by the end of the movie. So I'm like, well, I thought this was going to happen at some big shootout that happens at the end of the movie because the other two Tarantino films that I've seen, there has been a massive murder at the end of the film. So I was like, that tracks. I think there's going to be a massive murder. So I'm like, Marcellus is going to die in that. I appreciate you just smiling and nodding and not saying anything.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. That is a fair prediction like that. That is how a lot of Tarantino movies end.
1: Exactly. And so I think Marcellus is going to die there. So I'm like, I don't think he's going to die right now, but it's not going to be good whatever happens. So let's find out what happens. Marcellus tries to say something, but he's not very successful due to that small thing called the ball gag in his mouth. So instead of doing it in here, Maynard recommends that they go into the back into Russell's old room. Zed agrees. They wheel Marcellus into the back room and we then see a shot of Butch, and in this shot I noticed, just for fun, that the Gimp's groin is also bedazzled. In case anyone was curious on what else was bedazzled on the Gimp. Maynard ties up the Gimp, and the Gimp has some very intense eye contact while he's being tied up, and it is very uncomfortable. Whoever got cast to play as the Gimp did a phenomenal job, because they never spoke But they made me uncomfortable for every moment they were on the screen, and they nailed it. I'd never thought about who
0: played the Gimp before. Like, what kind of career did that guy have? I have no idea. I gotta gotta
1: look him up later. Well, we have time right now. Gimp, pulp, fiction, (laughs) actor. Because, (laughs) so apparently, the Gimp was played by Stephen Hibbert. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. He has also been in, let us see, The Cat in the Hat, the 2003 live remake of that. He was in a movie in 1994 called It's Pat, and he was also Mm -hmm. in National Treasure.
0: Uh, And also Austin Powers, Spy
1: Who Shagged Me. Beautiful. Haven't seen Austin Powers, so Not, not, not sure about that one. But so he has been in things. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Oh,
0: oh, wow. He's a, oh, he's mostly a writer. Okay, interesting. Okay. He wrote on Darkwing Duck, Tiny Toon Adventures, Animaniacs, Mad TV, Boy Meets World. Wow. This guy's career just became fascinating to me. We're about to go on a deep dive
1: after this episode ends. (laughs) For anyone that's curious, I will link Stephen Hibbert's IMDB page in the description of the episode. And you can also go on a deep dive and learn more about this man and his interesting career. (laughs) But I just thought he did a great job. He never spoke, but he always made me uncomfortable. And that was his job and he nailed it.
0: Nailed it. Nailed
1: it so maynard tells the gimp keep an eye on butch feel like he's gonna be pretty good at that he has some intense eye contact so then the revels Comanche starts to play and maynard closes the door to the room we hear grunting and shouting coming from inside the door and meanwhile we see butch struggling to get out of his bonds while the gimp just watches and laughs butch finally manages to break free with his hands And the Gimp has muffled screams, but Butch punches him in the face. Butch frees himself, grabs the keys, and goes to leave. But just as he's about to walk out, he hears Maynard and Zed doing whatever it is to Marcellus. We all know what it is, but we'll get to it in a minute. (laughs) Maynard and Zed are enjoying themselves. Butch has this moment of conflict where he's like, should I go save him, should I not? In the end, Butch, because he's a good guy at heart, closes the door and decides to go back for Marcellus. But he's not going to go back unarmed. He is smart. He's like, I need a weapon. So he looks around. He finds a hammer. Then he switches it to a baseball bat. Then he switches it to a chainsaw. And finally, he looks up and sees a sword and settles on that.
0: Which... I do remember everyone cheers every time the camera lands on the sword and he picks it up. He's like, <laughs> yeah, okay, if you're going to go back, you're like, grab a grab a samurai sword. That's a good weapon.
1: Yeah, I did like how it increased in level of effectiveness each time. Like It started yeah. with, you ain't going to do much with the hammer, buddy. Okay, I can see you doing damage with the baseball bat, but again, that's going to take some time. Chainsaw is gonna be loud, and it's gonna give you away, but, like, also better than a baseball bat. Sword is ideal. <laughs> <Lord>. Sword. Sword. <laughs> Honestly, bring a sword to a gunfight, you may win. I, it's not recommended, but, like... You may! <laughs> you may! <laughs> you, you, you know You may! You may! But there is a possibility. It might not be a high possibility, but there is a possibility. So, Butch cautiously makes his way down the stairs with his sword to the door he opens the door and finds Zed and May raping Marcellus conveniently both Zed and May have their backs turned to the door that just seems oddly convenient Maynard turns around and just as he turns around Butch slices him across his chest and then he steps forward and then stabs him and I was like well uh Maynard's dead goodbye Maynard didn't feel bad for him then you see zed and he wants the gun and butch tells zed pick it up and he's taunting him taunting him to pick it up in the meantime marcellus gets free and tells butch to step aside he does so and marcellus is holding the shotgun and he shoots zed in the groin now i had two thoughts thought number one that sounds very painful and thought number two, Butch just broke the rule that no one but Maynard and Zed can kill people in this place of business. <laughs> Technically, Zed ain't dead yet. No, but Maynard is. Oh, that's true. That's true.
0: Very rude of
1: Butch, isn't Yeah, he? like, you know, he, he set one rule. One rule, and you can't even follow that. I understand why you did it. But also, like, he had one rule. Kind of rude. Make him make <laughs> who's Maynard gonna complain to? Now, <laughs> I know, right? Like, nobody. Zed's just groaning and paining. And I did appreciate, like, it was absolute silence other than Zed groaning in pain. And I thought that was a beautiful choice, not having any music, just how intense this situation truly is. You don't need music to make it more tense already tense Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of films that you see now they shy away from having moments that aren't scored at all Mm -hmm. and i think if you have good actors and a good script both things are important you don't need music to make a moment powerful yeah Both things are important. You have to have people who can deliver the lines properly and deliver the emotions and everything. But at the same time, you have to have actual good lines. It tends to help. (laughs) (laughs) So Butch asks Marcellus if he's okay. And Marcellus is like, nah, I'm pretty fucking far away from it. And Butch asks, what now? And Marcellus says, let me tell you. Marcellus says he's going to call a couple of guys to go to work on Maynard and Zed with pliers and a blowtorch. This did make me think that maybe Maynard isn't dead, but I'm pretty sure Maynard's dead. I don't know. Either way, still rude. (laughs) Marcellus says that he ain't done with Zed and he has plans to get medieval on his ass.
0: Which might be the line that made the most pop culture uh, impact from the movie. Because that got referenced everywhere. For years afterwards, I've
1: heard that so many times yep. of just like a threat of like, just very simple like, if you don't back down, I'm gonna get medieval on your ass. Like it was yep, just so common, and I never knew where it stemmed from. I guess it stems from this, yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> and then Butch just quietly goes, "Um, I meant between us." <laughs> Marcellus is like, "Oh." That what now. Now there is no me and you not anymore. Butch asks if they cool, and Marcella says, Yeah, we're cool. Two things. One, don't tell anyone about this. This is between you and me, and Zed who is about to suffer. And two, you leave town tonight, right now, when you're gone, you stay gone or be gone. You lost your LA privileges.
0: And I've always loved that line. Uh, It's just describing, like, you've lost your L.A. privileges. Like, you are persona non grata, like, in some place. I've always liked the idea, like, encapsulated in that line.
1: It was a good line, and it was delivered with perfection. And it was just a very nice line of just, hey, like, just leave. You've lost the privilege of living here, but I will not chase you Mm -hmm. down. Just get out of town. Just go away. You can live your life. Like, we're good. You came back and saved me. I'll take it. Just, just get out. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Butch agrees to this deal. He exits the store. He sees a motorcycle out front, and he realizes, I have the keys. So, he takes the bike, he goes back to the hotel, and he tells Fabiana to come out. And... He's like, no, 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 just come now, like, forget the bags, we have a train to catch. Honestly, they're about to make bank in Knoxville, so they'll be mm-hmm. fine. Fabiana asks a bunch of questions, and she comes out, she sees the motorcycle, and she's like, where did this come from? Where did the motorcycle come from? And Butch corrects her, and he's like, it is a chopper, not a motorcycle? Yeah. I'm not gonna Who's lie, is this? what's the difference? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They both look like a motorcycle.
0: <laughs> that is some great dialogue. This motorcycle is this? It's not a motorcycle. It's a chopper, baby. Whose chopper is this? <laughs> Zed's. Zed. Who's Zed? He's dead. Zed, Zed's dead, baby. Zed's,
1: Zed's dead. dead.
0: Beautiful. Did they ride off into the sunset.
1: Exactly. They ride off, and that's or
0: the sun and mid morning. Yeah. Did they? Did they? It was eleven o'clock train. This all happened in less than two hours. This is a lot of stuff to go down in less than two hours.
1: Honestly, I think all of this might have happened in less than two hours.
0: Yeah. It's
1: possible. Guess, yeah, if they
0: weren't out for that long. I guess it depends on how far, like traffic in LA being what it is, how far their motel was from the old apartment. And also keep in mind, okay, if they're catching the train, they're catching at Union Station downtown. So where are they that they this all happens in less than two hours? And that's just like... If you know LA because they're in the valley. The pawn shop's is definitely in the valley. So the San Fernando Valley, which is north of downtown. Um, so, yeah, like two hours. Man, this is pretty that's pretty speedy. But this is this is also there's a ton of like weird time stuff in this movie. Yeah. If you think about it, like who gets what what burger stand at seven thirty in the morning is 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 gonna have hamburgers mm-hmm. who's eating hamburgers at seven thirty in the morning big
1: kahuna burgers open apparently at 7 o'clock I, in the apparently morning
0: big kahuna Bo- burger is serving hawaiian burgers at seven thirty in the morning
1: is that
3: not normal in la
0: <laughs> no it is in fact not <laughs> i don't know actually yeah, it actually probably is pretty normal because <laughs> there's lots of like bur- local burger stands that would also serve breakfast but i'm sure you can get a burger fair there enough as well. fair enough
1: yeah one thing oh, yeah
0: it's a, yeah that's a wrap that's on, a wrap, wrap watch, on this
1: right? episode but <laughs> one thing that i did catch is fabiana says that they were all out of blueberry pancakes so she had to get buttermilk and i was like haha at least i got one prediction right she didn't get blueberry pancakes she did not get her blueberry pancakes it wasn't right. how i thought it was gonna happen but she didn't get them And I'm going to take the win because everything else that I predicted was wrong. (laughs) But your predictions
0: made sense just for a different movie. Yeah. (laughs) Of course those things would happen, but just not in this movie, which basically bucked all the trends.
1: But here's the thing is what I'm finding, because so I've done Shawshank Redemption and I've done Monty Python and the Holy Grail. This is the third film that I'm reviewing. What I have found is even when I think I know what is going to happen, I'm like, this is logical. Like, Shawshank Redemption, it feels a little more logical than, like, Monty Python or this one even, where it kind of goes off and it's just, like, Mm -hmm. random. And even when I was like, I think I know what is happening and how this is going to work, I was still wrong. (laughs) I'm like, okay, here we go. (laughs) It's not an adventure of being wrong. (laughs) But... Yeah, a great story. I think it was a beautiful way to show us Butch's story and bring Marcellus in. It wraps up Butch's story. I really enjoyed this little bit of the movie. Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to bring up real quick? No, I, yeah, I think this is the
0: most kind of straightforward because it is, it is for a movie that basically has kind of like three main stories that like does weird stuff back and forth in time. This one's pretty straightforward and is, yeah, it's just so satisfying. Like all of it, all the performances are great. Like it keeps... Good twists and turns is less dependent on like the Tarantino scenes, mm-hmm. like the dialogue scenes, because yeah, in fact, there's really like other than the the pot belly conversation, there's not a lot of those kind of like just two people talking about bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, and it's it's really like yeah, it's probably my favorite segment of Pulp Fiction, I'd have to say, other than just I like. I know we're not going to talk about that section, but the Jackrabbit Slim scene is my favorite. Sure. Of the whole movie overall. Well, yeah, like overall of the the chapters, yeah, the Gold Watch is probably my favorite.
1: Yeah, it's a really good chapter. It also did feel like the longest chapter. Yeah. I don't know if it is. It just felt like it was. Maybe it was just there was so much action. There was so much happening. Mm -hmm. But I also do think like the chapter itself was almost like 40, 45 minutes, but also... Like, spoiler alert, we don't see Butch for the rest of the film. So, I actually am okay with it, because we get all of Butch's story in about 45 minutes. We get told his story in about 45 minutes, and that's all we need for that story. But, at the same time, it's like, okay, like, fair enough. But yeah, it was very fun. Thank you so much for joining. Michael, if... The listeners want to find you on the internet doing things. Where can they do so? Best place if you're on the social
0: medias is on Twitter, as long as that still is a thing that exists. On Twitter, you can find me at Ernie at twitter. You know how twitterworks.com. I don't put the, post there a ton right now, but that's basically my main public facing social media that is out there. If you want to read my comic books, most of them are available on Amazon or Barnes and Noble, any like bookseller if you have a local comic book shop they can definitely order orcs in space that is still kind of fresh enough because it came out the last volume came out recently so it's still fresh to order for shops but you can also look into junior Brays of the apocalypse orcs in space i have my self-published stuff which if you want to purchase i'm not entirely sure where that stuff is out but i do a series called uh, battle grapple rebel which is a sci-fi pro wrestling book that treats pro wrestling as like a form of entertainment, but just, but in a sci-fi setting. But yeah, like that's. A, I recently like killed my website because it was too expensive. So I used to have my like at my post show pattern down like go visit me on my website, tanner.com. But that is not available right now because I was like Wix. This is very expensive, and I'm not paying this for a website. And so they're like, all right, and they just destroyed my website. So that's how that goes. But anyway, long story short. Buy my books on Amazon or Barnes & Noble and look for me on Twitter.
1: Wonderful. Well, Michael, thank you so much for joining us this week. Listeners, thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'll catch y'all
2: later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. I also run the social media. Our editor is Pranav Nair. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutchison. And the art is by Jared Rother. If you would like to support the show and gain access to bonus content, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com postfinale. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at postfinalepod. And if you want to help out the show in a non-monetary way, tell a friend about the show. Reach out and say, Hey, you love movies, or I've been trying to get you to watch movies. Check out this new podcast. Be sure to talk about us on social media, or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever app you were using to listen to the show. All of these things help out a lot, and I appreciate all of you that have done this already, or will do this in the future. But I'm just thankful that you joined us for this episode, and be sure to join us next week as we finish our discussion on Pulp Fiction. And until next time, I'll catch y'all later.